My name is Lubuntu Webster. It's time for Ubuntu Life. Dear African Union Heads of State and Governments, as a collective of young people from across the continent of Africa, we call on you to urgently work with youth to address the systemic issues that have disempowered our generation. As young Africans, over 226 million and counting, we are stuck in a period of our lives that the 2019 Ibrahim Forum report called the waithood. But we wish to escape the state of waithood. We have bold dreams of the Africa we want instead. Welcome to Ubuntu Live and I'm your host Nobuntu Klazo Webster. What I've just read is an excerpt from a letter that was written by a collective of young people to the African Union in 2021. Now I've got some of those young people with me. They're my guests today on Ubuntu Live and they're doing impactful work in their respective countries and today we're going to learn from them. Uh, we're going to hopefully catalyze some collaborations with them. And I am certainly going to challenge them. So be ready to be challenged this morning, uh, Collins and Oscar. Uh, I'm going to tell you a little bit about them before we get into conversation with them. Oscar is from Nigeria. He is Oscar Danladi, and he is a grassroots youth activist. He's a social entrepreneur and a theologian, and he is passionate about youth flourishing. He's passionate about creation care and restorative economy. Welcome, Oscar. Thank you so much, Nobuntu. I'm happy to be here. Too. So glad to have you. We're also joined by Collins Shava, who is from Zimbabwe, and he is currently the Executive Secretary, Youth at All Africa Conference of Churches, uh, where the Conference of Churches is spearheading a campaign for youth and pan-Africanism, and it's called Africa, My Home, My Future. He has interest in mobilizing young people to contribute towards the sustainable development agenda and the Agenda 2063. Welcome to you, Collins. Thank you, Nobuntu. I'm happy to be here. We're also joined by Martha Nalukenge, who is also a Ugandan, living in Masaka, which is 120 kilometers south of the capital of Uganda. She works with EcoBricks, a recycling center, as a social media and content developer. She has created awareness in local grassroots initiatives in order to promote climate action, women inclusion, and the inclusion of people who are previously disadvantaged. Welcome, Martha. It is great to have you join us on Ubuntu Live. Oh, thank you so much. It's a pleasure to meet you all. We're so happy to have you. So, Collins, let me start with you. Let's talk about the recent youth movements in your country. Uh, how they've had an impact in your country. I know that the most recent right now is that we've seen the political opposition in Zimbabwe really uh, relaunching, uh, rising up. They have this movement that looks like it swept the nation and is mostly uh, contributed to and has the participation of young people. What are the movements and how have young people had an impact in some of the recent changes in Zimbabwe? Thank you, Nobuntu. Um, I'm very... Uh, grateful that you have mentioned uh, one of the recent uh, movements in Zimbabwe where we have seen uh, the opposition party uh, led by Nelson Chamisa uh, relaunching into a yellow movement that has uh, swept uh, the country and it is ushering a new democratic and a new 
the way of uh, thinking in terms of our politics in Zimbabwe. But beyond uh, the uh, yellow movement, uh, which has uh, taken over the country, we have seen uh, the young people uh, participating in the, in the Zimbabwean Lives Matter uh, hashtag, which uh, swept across Twitter in 2021, where young people were reiterating and calling uh, for the government to respect uh, the human rights, to respect the human rights of the people, to respect uh, the the interests of the people, and to put the p- interests of the people at heart, rather than what uh, is currently the status quo. So we have seen that the young people, uh, because of uh, the COVID-19, it wasn't going to be into the streets, but it was on social media, where the youth, uh, the young people, the people, uh, the, uh, the people of Zimbabwe were calling uh, for the government to redress uh, the issues of human rights, to redress the issues of employment, to redress the issues of the economy, which has been uh, a problematic for the past uh, 20 years. And you can see that yeah, many young people don't even have jobs right now, and the unemployment rate is quite high in Zimbabwe. And that has been a very, very problematic issue. And now coming back to the issues of the Yellow Movement, I think it is also uh, that movement, this movement lies matter, which is urging people to look for an alternative uh, to the current uh, leadership, to look for the alternative in terms of the current uh, government. So it is it is this which is in the in the youth, and it, it is this which is pushing the drive uh, for the alternative. And uh, I believe that uh, even the ruling party has seen the pressure, uh, the government itself has seen the pressure of the young people, and it must do a lot to ensure that it uh, responds to the issues of the young people. Otherwise, if it doesn't do that, uh, then uh, the next election will be a very, very uh, difficult uh, uh, one for the for the current uh, government. So would you say that these movements, I mean, you're talking about social media and you're saying that the Zimbabwean Lives Matter was a social media movement. Do you think that it's impactful? You know, people always say that this generation is always on their thumbs, you know, on the digitals, on social media, and it doesn't really have a real impact. Would you say that that campaign in particular and now the other movement has had an impact being derived from social media? Yes, I would say so, because uh, in the context of Zimbabwe, if you go into the streets, you invite guns, you invite tear gas, uh, you invite mm. uh, police brutality. So uh, the only safe space to, to do it is, is via your thumb, where you can express yourself without fearing a button stick that will come into your head uh, because you are, you are thinking the alternative. So I think it has had an impact uh, and it is that the government even responding to some of the issues that have been raised by the by the by the people on the social media. You can even see the government as well trying to take some policy measures to address some of those issues that the people are, are mentioning. So I think this has been a, a very very impactful. This has been very very helpful, and it has also put people on social media to be more aware of the politics of their country. Uh, in the sense that they even now the conversations that we have on our Twitter spaces in Zimbabwe. If you want to look for politics, you can go on on Twitter and you can see how the political trends are going in Zimbabwe. So it's it's been uh, quite an impactful uh, way of mobilizing, a way of expressing uh, the people's uh, selves without fear of of button sticks, without fear of brutality. So I think uh, for me, it works.
I love it. I absolutely love it. There's a new way of doing things. And I love that you're saying it had impacts in that the government actually started responding to some of the issues that were being raised uh, by the movement on social media. Oscar, now you led this initiative to write this letter to the African Union. What is the situation in Nigeria and, you know, how did it influence you taking the initiative to lead this collective that wrote the letter to the African Union? Thank you, Nabotu. The experience is such that young people are within a category called the not engaged, not employed and not trained. Uh, and technically, I can say that uh, unemployment uh, in Nigeria is a youth phenomenon. And using that, I'm saying it essentially because uh, more than 60% of the population of Nigeria, we're counting 200 million people, and more than 60% of that number is considered to be youthful. The median age is around 18 years. Uh, however, when you look at the public space, when you look at governance, you can technically say that young people are excluded. And that is the experience not just in Nigeria, especially when we started bringing young people around uh, the different African countries. Because when you look at the, the letter title, Silence the Guns, Not the Youth, you would see quite a number of young people across Africa signed that letter, which means that those issues resonated with them. And not to also uh, exclude the issue around uh, violence, brutality against young people, which gave birth to the NSAS protests, the NSAS movement that also swept Nigeria and quite a number of other African countries. Young people were beginning to see the power of young people when they speak. So we, we discovered that the experience is such that young people are excluded. And apart from exclusion, there seems to be no future plans for young people in Nigeria and even in Africa, a country that has produced crude oil for more than 50 years without a sovereign wealth fund. And when we talk about sovereign wealth fund, we're talking about a fund that is set aside for for future generation fund that is set aside for infrastructural development, but for over 50 years, uh, there, was, there wasn't a sovereign wealth, wealth fund. And those are clear indicators of the fact that young people are definitely left to their fate. So uh, the whole idea of the waiting hood and all of that. So those were the experiences. And when we started gathering uh, the responses of young people across Africa, we discovered that that is the story. So it, it, it motivated the need for us to, to do something because we cannot fold our hands and then wait. We felt there's a need to constructively engage uh, our leaders. And we felt one of the big spots or big places is to engage the African Union. But those were all the experiences and the conversation that went into putting the letter. Uh, and when we say silence the gun, it, it's actually uh, not just literal, it's also figurative and then it's also very literal that young people are being silenced using guns silenced their voices are not heard we're not allowed to participate and all of that so those were the experiences basically so having now written this letter and i mean the picture that you paint is really concerning uh, and I think all young people across the continent should be concerned about such things, especially the last part where you mentioned the silencing 
by guns because of what we witnessed happening in Uganda in 2021 when young people decided that they would challenge the current government and contest actually for leadership um, in government. Martha, you are joining us from Uganda and you are doing some incredible work in Uganda. So tell us about what the situation is for young people in Uganda. What is life like for young people in Uganda at this point? Uh, the challenges are uh, young people are not given a platform to air out their opinions. And in case if they do so, they are being, how can I say, shielded by those people who have taken so long in the business or in the system who want like to own everything. And in case you want to speak, you are not given that platform. And when you air out your opinion, you remember you are shaking Threatening them. is actually not threatening them, but uh, it's shaking the, their interest. It doesn't suit their test. Whenever you are speaking, it's like mm. you are taking away their bread, uh, their bread, their share. And that is a threat. And in case you come out to speak, some, some of the youth are being murdered. Others are being uh, unawfully arrested. So that shakes, uh, shakes the table and doesn't create enough employment opportunities. And in case you make like you air out your opinion... Some of the business, some, how can I say, in the business sector, there are positions you can never get. In case like here, I'm on to Ubuntu. Mm-hmm. Now I'm speaking. Now I have my platform. I'm speaking anyhow I want. But here in Uganda, sometimes we lack that platform unless you use art, use music to air out. In case like I use your broadcast today and, um, and I threaten like uh, somebody's test of interest, then they will come, they will connect with you, never to employ mm. me, and they will connect with all the circle. And at the end of the day, that creates an employment opportunity to the youth. So basically, what I'm hearing from what you're saying, Martha, is that young people in Uganda are silenced. They are not only silenced, but they are also not able to take on any opportunities. They have to compete with older people in their communities and, in fact, don't get the opportunities to take on economic opportunities, employment in the community, or even to start businesses because those are shut down, especially if they're vocal. And that's something that is really a threat to the next generation. It's a threat actually to the longevity of the country because if you're not giving young people the space to grow and to contribute, there really is a threat to the growth and sustainability of communities and of the country. So Oscar, having led the the, the initiative to write the letter to the African Union, I'm sure that these were some of the issues that you had in mind, some of the issues that you'd been exposed to across the continent. What was your expectation from this letter? And has there been any response since? Yes, one of our expectations was for that high-level kind of leadership to be responsive at best, to acknowledge that, yes, this concerns because we highlighted about four critical issues. So really what we we wanted to see was uh, a response, acknowledgement, because first, when you acknowledge that there are problems, then it's a good sign that we are going to make some headways Again, we are also aware of the fact that even the AU Youth Decade had clearly stated that empowerment, what empowerment means, particularly empowerment on behalf of young people. Uh, but then I would say the, thing, the issue has even become worse because the role of young people in AU 
right now is a bit shaky. Uh, I don't think there's even uh, the AU youth envoy right now. I think that office is vacant. There's no no one man in that office. So I, I would say it, uh, things have even become worse after writing that letter. But then we were not surprised because really we know that uh, leadership, uh, especially the older folks, will not, they wouldn't give us leadership on a platter of gold. We're aware of the fact that it has to come with some kind of contention. Uh, whether political contention, whether intellectual contention, so we we it, things have become literally worse right now, and I'm I'm pretty sure it's it's the same all over the African countries, considering the fact that at su- such level there wasn't even a response to say we acknowledge that these issues you have highlighted are true and are critical to our development. Uh, there wasn't any response as such, and then even the office of the youth envoy right now is vacant in the AU. So uh, those were. Again, the aftermath of writing the letter. So, Collins, Oscar says something here, which I think is so important. Um, Oscar says, the leadership is not going to hand over the platform to lead on a gold platter or on a silver platter. So I want to ask you, Collins, what happens in that case? And in fact, should young people be waiting to be handed over leadership or opportunities at this point? Yes, thank you, Nobuntu. That's a very interesting question. And uh, I think young people don't have to wait. They have to uh, take power by all means to find their ways into the spaces of, of, of governance and of policy making. I'll give you an example. If our fathers and our brothers and our sisters who liberated Africa were going to wait for the a colonialist to hand over power to the black majority. We're going to wait for decades. We're going to wait for ages and they would even be killing some of our intellectual uh, people that will be amongst us to ensure that no one will rise up and take over power from them. And that was what the young people's concept must take now. The new liberation of Africa will come from the young people. The young people are the majority right now in terms of numbers in, in Africa, all across Africa. The young people are the majority. And if you can see what happened in, 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 in Zambia, where a lot of young people came out to vote and removed the regime that was in power and put a new regime. Imagine if it was a young person who was in front of that uh, movement. The young people would have taken power. So I think young people don't have to wait for, for people to hand over power to them. They must organize themselves in their countries, in their communities, in their constituencies to ensure that they support youth leadership into governance uh, uh, positions, youth leadership into policy-making positions. They must vote for young people to get into power. They must vote for young women to even get into power. So it is now that the young people need to organize themselves and find a consensus and find a common vision to support young visionary leaders that must be leading in, in all the spaces of government. And also, young people must also take spaces even in the economy, even in the, in the social life, even, even in, in, in the political spaces. Young people must take, must take over power there. In the economy, they must take over power by providing cutting-edge entrepreneurship, which leads into businesses that are led by young people, where young people can lead 
uh, economies in their countries. In that way, they can also influence the other sectors of the economy, the, uh, the, the sectors of the country. So I think young people need to uh, take up the mantle and uh, fight for the generation. I love what you say about young people being the majority because Africa has the youngest population in the world. We have 70% of sub-Saharan Africa under the age of 30. And I said I would challenge you because when I hear that, that to me says if 70% of the population in sub-Saharan Africa is under the age of 30, that to me says that there's a whole market there's a whole market that is that is available for young people. So when you talk about economy, when you talk about entrepreneurship, the idea of waiting for opportunities, for economic opportunities, to me doesn't make sense. Because I say, if in your country, which is the case in most countries in Africa, young people are the majority, then what stops you from creating content, for instance, that will be consumed by young people? What stops you for, from creating products that are going to be bought by other young people instead of waiting for opportunities to be given? Because as Oscar rightfully said, they won't be. And I want to ask you, Oscar, because you're working uh, with eco-entrepreneurship and eco-innovation, I want to ask you to tell me a little bit more about that and how that is an opportunity for young people to be able to take part in the economy without waiting. Yes, so uh, just just to also appreciate you for this platform, because again, what young people are looking for is platforms. Uh, and once there's a platform that young people can, can deploy their creativity, their energy, their restlessness positively, uh, it has every tendency to create that large system transformation that we're all desiring. And I'm saying this again from our own experience so far with the work I have been doing in the last six years. We have been all about creating platforms for young people. And I tell you very concretely some of the things we have done. We have created a platform where we harvested young innovators around uh, just where presently I'm residing. And it will amaze you to know that because of one of the huge problems we have, which is waste, uh, particularly electronic waste, we were able to find young people who were able to convert electronic waste into solar systems. So we didn't have to buy solar systems at high expensive rate. And then these solar systems were installed on 50 households uh, low-income uh, houses, 50 households. And right now you can see that, though, again, they were learning experiences we had, but you can see the potential of young people. So, uh, and, and I can give you other examples of how young people are trying to create that change, even with the little platforms and little opportunities we're having. So, uh, these are just a few examples of what young people, right now we're trying to work with a couple of young people within their community to set up a livelihood center. We've seen the impact of COVID on a lot of young people uh, that were working daily to make ends meet. So uh, I can say without doubt that if young people are provided the right platforms, amazing stuff can happen across Africa. We're seeing it, we're working around it, we're building it. 
However, a lot more can be done if there is a political will. A lot more can be done if there is support from leadership, if there is leading leadership to enable these things to happen. And another way of this is something that Collins mentioned earlier, which was social media. And Martha, you are a content developer and a social media practitioner. What do you think is the role of social media in changing things or changing the situation for young people across Africa? Uh, what I can say, social media is an open chair. Uh, social media gives you that liberty. If they can't allow us in, let's just grab our chairs and we join the table. On social media, you are free to express what you feel. Actually, it's throwing out the voice for the voiceless. And like on social media, you can't filter what you feel. You just send out the real message to the right people. Then, still people who are afraid of like uh, coming out to speak, on social media can come out and they support. In case you want to make some policy changes, if you want to change some policies, with social media you can create like um, different petitions and at least it can really work. That's why I love social media so much. At least it gives you the freedom to speak in any way. And how have you seen social media have an impact in your community and in your country for some of the things that you've been involved in and even just more broadly with, for instance, the elections last year in Uganda? If I'm looking at uh, politics strictly, it has opened up our eyes. There are a lot of things that are happening in Africa in general that we never knew that really exist. Wow. It has helped us to learn how to measure whom we are trusting and what content are we giving out. Much as I have a liberty to speak, there are things I'm not going to speak. At the end of the day, you are creating evidence that is going to ruin your life, that is going to ruin the people you care about. And at the end of the day, social media has... How can I say, when something comes out, has splashed the truth into our faces. Because people are coming out and they are saying we have been abducted because we did this, because we said this. We do, at, um, in Uganda, we have like uh, some islands, some prisons on some islands where people are really, really beaten severely. At the end of the day, you don't know whether it's done by the opposition, whether it's done by the government, whether it's done individually. But these are victims coming out and are showing their wounds. And they are like pinpointing out, like, this one did this, this one did this. At the end of the day, that one gives us like uh, the chance to check whom we are trusting. If the window of change is blowing, now we have like the major reason. We have all the real reason to fight for the change. At least we have seen victims and we have seen people claiming we have seen change and we have seen people who are being tribalistic. We have seen people practicing nepotism, but at the end of the day, they are coming out and we are seeing the evidence. I love it. I love it. That is so encouraging. This one can never be manipulated in court because at the end of the day, you can go to the court. You don't know the judge's side. Yeah. That those things are coming out like manipulated, brainwashed. But on social media, somebody is going to take a screenshot. This one gave me this one. This one bribed me to do this. Uh, social media, you just get the content unfiltered. 
unfiltered. It's how you use it that matters. Thank you. Yes. That is so encouraging, Martha. And I think that um, there are many spaces and communities across the continent that should be inspired by that and should be encouraged by the fact that there is another way, there is an alternative to start getting things happening and to start seeing change without being filtered, without being gagged, uh, without being controlled. Now, um, as we wrap up, I want to ask you, Collins, I'm, I'm from South Africa and I think that we've seen young people start to rise up. We had fees must fall in 2015, and we started to see young people kind of edging towards taking control of their destiny. But we have more crises now, and I think we're moving towards some sort of breaking point, and I think we're going to see more activism from young people. We currently in South Africa have 66.5% of young people between the ages of 15 and 24 years being unemployed. We have 43.8% of people between the ages of 25 and 34 being unemployed. It is a record of the highest unemployment rates, really, that we've ever seen in the country. So there will be movements. And Collins, as we wrap up, I want to ask you, what do you think are some of the ways or some of the things that young people in countries where there needs to be some sort of movement or action from young people, what are some of the things they need to know to keep in mind? How would you encourage them? Thank you, Nobuntu. I think uh, one thing that we must all realize in the continent of Africa is that Africa is our home and it is our future. And we are the only ones who can be able to solve the crisis that we have in Africa as young people if we take uh, the issues into our hands to be able to find solutions to our countries, to find solutions to our problems. You know, uh, from the context you are giving, uh, Nobuntu, I am very, very uh, scared and skeptical about what is going to happen in South Africa. You know, it's a home uh, to uh, uh, thousands or hundreds of thousands of Zimbabweans who have, who have uh, fled Zimbabwe over the past 20 years uh, to come in and be part of South Africa. And we can see some of the agitation uh, coming up in, in xenophobic attacks and all that. But, but there is a myriad of issues that are happening in South Africa and some of them are rooted into the economic inequalities that have persisted over the, over the number of years where people don't have access to land, they don't have access to the uh, to economic property, to uh, to a lot of things. And I think uh, young people who are facing such circumstances in the in the continent of Africa, not only in South Africa, they need to identify some of the root causes of, of the problems they are facing and do organized movements uh, for where they can be able to work together for a common vision for their country, uh, for their community, and for their constituencies where they are. Because uh, at the end of the day, I know that the agitation, for example, with the one which is there in South Africa, may lead to spontaneous, spontaneous uh, activism, some of which which is not in a good way. Uh, you can see some mm. of these uh, movements that are coming up. I have seen one which they call Operation Dudula, which I don't really understand. And uh, you know that you you then end up uh, having negative energy by doing activism to the wrong things. So I think at the end of the day, let us identify the common problem, the common problems that we have, and let us have organized movements uh, of youth that are able to uh, 
bring about change to their communities, to bring about change uh, to their countries. And the, as, as I said before, that Africa is our home and it is our future. We cannot uh, be able to say we can run away from our problems, but let's find a common way of dealing with these problems and be able to provide solutions as young people in an organized manner. Thank you so much, Collins. Um, you speak about identifying common problems. And Oscar, I want you, as we wrap up, to talk about what you think the common vision of young people across Africa should be. The common vision really is just to have enabled platforms where youth energy, youth voices can be harnessed. And again, it's something we clearly highlighted in the letter we wrote to the AU. Again, it's one rallying point again because the voices are quite diverse. We we young people cannot continue to be silent, and young people cannot continue to be silenced. Young people need to speak, and we need to speak with one voice. And what are we going to say to our leaders? Enough is enough. <laughs> young people have the potential to uplift Africa out of poverty, but but why continue to suffer out of aspirational poverty we can aspire we can dream we can build so we 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 just need all our voices unified because again as collins talked about it we have a unified problem young people are excluded how can we begin to have a common voice across africa uh, collins from zimbabwe we have Martha coming in from uganda I am coming from Nigeria and we have diverse young people and we have common issues. So our common voices is to work as a collective to drive Africa to that continent that is flourishing. And again, Africa is blessed abundantly. We can uh, prioritize Africa as young people. But then our leaders need to know that young people have to be prioritized too to be able to do that. So our common vision essentially is to move Africa from poverty to flourishing. And it's possible. All we need is a platform. All we need is our voice harnessed, and all we need is our capacities enabled to do that. Thank you so much, Oscar. Um, and I'm going to add to that as an older youth <laughs> that the other thing that you need and that we need is to really just take our own future our own destiny as communities, as nations, as a continent into our own hands because really nobody's coming to save us. Absolutely nobody's coming to save us. But as we wrap off, Oscar, how can people reach you uh, if they want to get hold of you in any way, work together, support, collaborate? Yes, so like we have mentioned, the social media is one of the big platforms. Uh, you can also sign up with sign up on the youth letter Again, we're collecting data of young people there. So you can sign up at abundant.africa slash youth letter. And then you could also follow uh, the Just Green Center social media handle. It's at Just Green Center. Center is spelled R-E, not E-R. And you can follow us there. We can collaborate on different issues. Collins? Yes, uh, you can uh, follow uh, AACC Youth Programs uh, on AACC Youth uh, at, uh, on Facebook and uh, at AACC Youth Prog on Twitter. And you can also Google Africa Conference of Churches. Uh, you can find our websites there. You can also try to reach me even on my social media pages at Colin Shava. 
uh, and also on my email at cshava at aacc-center.org so you can uh, find us on either of those platforms and if you reach to any AACC platform you can reach to me. Thank you. Thank you Collins. Martha, how can people get hold of you? Uh, those who want to know more about recycling you can reach out to Ecobricks. You just write E-C-O B-R-I-X-S, Ecobricks. You can get more about recycling and save the planet. Then to me, as Martha Nalukenge, you can reach to all, to all my social media handles. They are under Martha Nalukenge, M-A-R-T-H-A-N-A-L-U-K-E-N-G-E. All my social media handles are under that name. Apart from TikTok, I'm under Martha Ways with Z at the end. Thank you so much. And thank you to all of you for joining this episode of Ubuntu Live. I hope that it is the continuation of some of the great things that you're doing through collaboration with other people and other nations on the continent. And I just want to encourage you to continue and to keep going. I want to encourage you to take matters into your own hands because that's what we need. We need parallel ways. Thank you so much. Welcome. Thank you. Goodbye. Bye-bye. This episode of Ubuntu Live was brought to you by Abundant Africa. You can visit www.abundant.africa for more on the work of this movement. Thank you for being part of the Ubuntu movement. To engage on these and other topics, follow at Ubuntu Live Talk and at Ubuntu Webster on Instagram and Twitter. You've been listening to another production from Solid Gold Podcasts.